But long as there are stars above you You'll never need to doubt it I'll make you so sure about it God only knows what I'd be without you If you should ever leave me A life is still going on believe me The world could show to the Strange Brew podcast. My name's Jason Barnard. That was the sound there of Tony Rivers and the Castaways, God Only Knows. Got the huge pleasure to welcome Tony here today to hear a brilliant selection of tracks that he's sung on and in many cases arranged for such incredible artists over the last 50 years or so. Welcome, Tony. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. And uh, Cliff Richard, uh, I understand, called you the Miracle Man of Harmonies. That's what he called me, I know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to take it, but I'll take it. You don't get many people bigging you up, do you? You know. You've got a um, rather brilliant autobiography out, I'm Nearly Famous, The Tales of a Life. Yeah, and people often wonder how I came by that name and that cover. Well, the cover of the book... Mm. I, I love the cover. It was just a photograph that me and the castaways had taken when we first signed with um, EMI. Oh. And we went, they, the, the photographer took us to Regent's Park. That photograph of me sitting there looking all very Solomon, trying to be handsome, you know, 
failing miserably, but that's what mm. we tried to do. <laughs> Can I ask you about one of the, well, I mean, the, the first track being God Only Knows, but what many people won't know is that that particular track was suggested to yeah. you and the castaways to record by the yeah. Breach Boys' very own Bruce Johnston? Yeah, yeah, that, that certainly was. Um, I, I had been in contact with the Beach Boys from a friend of Brian Wilson who came came over to London and he came to see me because somehow we got connected and, you know, he he became connected and he, he, he got back to LA, he told Bruce Johnson about this group, Tony Rivers and the Castaways that were Beach Boy influenced. Bruce said, oh, I'm coming over to London anyway soon. Uh, I'll look him up. And when he got here, he called me and he, he turned up. I, I knew he was coming, so I phoned him at his hotel in just to the right of Piccadilly, you know. Um, and he said, well, why don't you come up and say hello? And I went, wow, okay, yeah, what a great idea. Mm. We did eventually meet all the Beach Boys and we, we became sort of good friends with them. I was hooked on that sound. As soon as I heard certain songs, I was hooked on the Beach Boys. And uh, that was my future direction. God only knows was... A song, I mean, we didn't know anything about any any song that had been called God Only Know, anything with God in the title. I didn't know. Yeah. But Bruce Johnson, when we got together, he said, um, why, don't we, why don't you record it? And I went, I said, don't be silly, the British boy's going to do it. And he said, no, they're not. And I, I sort of looked at him and thought, you're not going to record, you're not going to release God only knows. And he said, no, we're not. Um, so I left it at that and uh, went away smiling. Mm. He said, I'll produce your version, which I don't think he did in the end. And I told Bruce, we were, I said, why don't you come and see us? Uh, we're playing down tonight in Rumford at the Rumford Technical College. Yeah, he didn't say yes or no. And I, but but I, I said to him, um, okay, if I tell, speak to a friend about you being here and uh, get him to get him to come along, and he and he did. And uh, on the night of the gig, Romford Technical College, we're there, we're on stage, and we're doing some Beach Boys songs, which we were good at. He turned up that night in Romford, and I saw the crowd. It was a, it was a good turnout there, considering it was only us that they were coming to see. They didn't know the Beach Boys were on. And what Bruce had done, I had called uh, a fellow called Keith Moon, who I knew as a as a friend, and he was a fan of the Castaways because we were Beach Boys influenced. So he turned up with Bruce Johnson, and I sort of went to the audience. Well, he said, uh, I said, you can just move aside, could you a little bit? I've got some friends who come in to see us. I said, you may know them, Bruce Johnson from the Beach Boys and Keith Moon from The Who. And the crowd went mad. <laughs> Can you imagine? The trouble was, Keith got up and Keith Moon, as a drummer, was, yeah, he was a character. But he, he certainly wasn't a Beach Boys drummer, put it like that. He was, he was all over the place. He was, you know, 
big drum breaks and everything. So um, I sort of tried to say, okay, folks, let's hear a big hand now for Keith, Keith Moon and Bruce Johnson, who've got to go now. And Keith kept saying, no, no, I'm all right. Hmm. Do another. What else do you do? And I'm going, oh, thinking, this is the worst Beach Boys sound we've ever had. Hmm. Because he was he was just a crazy, crazy drummer. He, he played Beach Boys like he played The Who, which says it all. I think that's my story about Keith and uh, Bruce. The Teneriffs and the Castaways, you, you kind of morphed into Harmony Grass, but that some of your material that you recorded with Harmony Grass, you'd actually written or recorded with the Castaways? We were always trying to write songs. We, we weren't really songwriters at that time, but uh, we realised that the world was moving on and people were writing their own songs. Uh, so for me to write a song, I had to write a song with the influence that I was going through, like the Beach Boys, a Chuck Berry guitar sound, great echoes on the voices, and four or five part harmony voice tracks. You know, that was that was where we wanted to be. I think if we hadn't been mm. down that road, I think we'd have ended up trying to be a blues band like everyone else, and probably fading away rapidly. Mm. I think. Yeah. Um... And Summer Dreaming now... Well, Summer Dreaming self-explanatory, really. If it's Summer Dreaming, it's going to be a Beach Boy-type song, without a doubt, which it was. I I just wanted to write a Beach Boy song, uh, which I tried to do, but I, I, I do like the song. And we used the bits we could steal off the Beach Boys or use to our advantage off the Beach Boys. Uh, and... Go to Abbey Road, say this is what we've got, and we did that, um, and which moved on from lots of other songs that had similar encouraging parts. If you're trying to be a a harmony band, which by then we were. Summer is soon now, the kids are dreaming about the sun. They'll soon be leaving work and school. They're seeing it through now. Got it. That day real soon All the kids are dreaming Summer leaving Day by day as time gets near We think of things we did last year We'll go to sleep when day is done Then spend the night just dreaming All the kids are dreaming Summer
I think the first release with Harmony Grass was actually a hit, Moving a Little Closer Baby. Yeah, it was. Um, that was written by a couple of Americans, that one. Who's, we had a friend in, in the music side of, the, of London. They were, they were publishers, and they'd come up with songs for you. That song they came up with, it was written by Captain Ellie and O'Connor, which who were Americans, but I think the Captain Ellie book had a touch of Italy in him. And so we did that. Um, it worked great. Uh, that was produced by him again, wasn't it? Um, yeah, apart from producing the Rolling Stones, he produced us for a couple of records. Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was a great record. It didn't do as well as it was. Someone, someone told us, "Oh, this will be a big hit," and it it got a lot of airplay. And normally, when you get a lot of airplay, you you expect a hit. Mm-hmm. But it was it was what it was. It got to around. It actually depends which paper you read. If you read one of the uh, funkier papers, you get it was about number 16. But if you only read The Melody Maker or something, it was number 20 or something, you know. For us, it was a definite step in the right direction. Mm. We came up with that crazy name, or our manager at that time decided, he called us in one day and said, "Uh, got an idea for a a title for for the band to change. And we all went, what? Change the name. We've worked all this time to get get a name like Harmony Grass that is being successful, and now you want to change it. Uh, and it became moving a little closer, baby, which is fair enough. Uh, and it 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 got in the charts, and so we were happy, and we went to Germany to their their version of Top of the Pops. So things were going all right at the time. Yeah, pretty good. Closing in And there's no place to hide And you're needing a friend To be there At your side Send the message to me I'll arrive when you see Whether you're right or wrong This is where you belong Give it a try and you'll see Closer 
what's the story behind you um you know singing the lead on whatever happened to the the like lads uh theme song because there's been a few uh wrong things put about who's oh yeah it. tell me about it the bbc you mean yeah the bbc yeah i didn't write it okay mm. i got a phone call one day from mike hug of the manfreds yeah he said could you come and do an album with me um I want you to do some of your harmony stuff or, or on his solo album, the Mike Hug solo album. And he's halfway through it, he, he stopped me and said, okay, he said, can you, if I play you a song, can you ever listen to it and tell me if you've got any ideas to make it better? And he played me the song and it was, it turned out to be a version of the Lightly Lads, but not the Lightly Lads you hear now or then. You know, it was an early version because mm. apparently there was a different version of the Lightning Lads before the one we all know. Mm. This was the Lightning Lads, and I just did what was obvious to me. Uh, and it came out, and at the end of the session, he said, Wow, he said, sounds great. He said, Perfect. And I went, Oh, okay. But I never heard any more about it. Right. Like normally you'd get. You know, it's anyhow, well, oh, we'll make this an X record, yeah. Uh, none of that. He just said, no, it sounds great. Uh, no problem. Thank you very much. Uh, and so I left and went home and this and the other and thought, oh, okay. Well, he likes it, but he ain't said he'll use it. So I thought, well, no problem. All right, carry on. When I, when I got home, it, it, it became obvious because it suddenly started appearing on his radio, on his, TV show and I'm going that's the one I did and he never told me anything about it. he never said okay I'll, I'll let you you become the singer mm. he never gave me any credit whatever so it just it came out as it as it came out you know it was whatever happened to the Lightly Lads and every time the Lightly Lads was on there I am
One of the things that you're very well known for is uh, working with Cliff Richard and our next track is Miss Unites. Uh, it was Bruce Welsh who, who managed to... Who yeah, Bruce you to... Welsh was the main main reason. Mm. About 1970, well, we recorded Miss Unites in 76. So I think it was the year of 1975. I'm just, doing, I'm just a, a session man going around doing sessions and then go and play in pubs and play in clubs, stuff like that. Mm. Well, uh, my phone rang one, one day in the summer of 75, I imagine it to be, and he said, this voice said, Hello, Tony. And I went, Oh, who's this? He said, Bruce Welsh. And I went, Yeah, Bruce Welsh phoning me. Why would Bruce Welsh be phoning me? And he said, Well, I've heard a song. And I think you wrote it. And I went, what was it? And he told me. And I went, yeah, I did. He said, well, it's not the song. He said, it's a great song. He said, but that's not what I'm calling you for. He said, I'm calling you because I love the harmonies on it. And I said, oh. He said, I'd like to know who did the arrangement. I said, well, I do. I always do. Uh, he said, okay. Um, he said, well, have you got a team? I said, yeah, I have. I have. I've got three Three people I work with, Ken, uh, Ken Gold was one of them, John Perry, and me. And we would do, I would, I would go home, or I would be at home, and if, if he sent me a song, because the first thing Bruce had been asked to produce was Cliff, at this time, I don't mean ever, but, but at this time, he'd been asked, and he told me this, he said, I've been asked, to produce Cliff's next album. Mm. Now, Cliff 
at that time, uh, it was a bit of a doldrums for Cliff because he was doing a couple of songs which hadn't achieved a, a great a great chart position. Now Cliff loves to be number one. He loves to be in the top ten. That's that's his whole way of living. Mm. Off we went. Up to, up we go to Abbey Road. Okay, Bruce said I'll, I'll fix the session at Abbey Road. Be there Wednesday at uh, ten o'clock or eleven o'clock or something. So there we are in Abbey Road again. Bear in mind we'd been in Abbey Road several times when we'd only just become signatures of of uh, EMI, the uh, EMI thing. When we got there with Cliff, Bruce Bruce had sent me as he would normally, or as, as people would normally do when I want to be able to do a, an arrangement for someone, I need to hear a copy of the whatever they've got. So I did, and I could hear it, and I said, I phoned Bruce up and said, are you sure about this song? I said, it doesn't sound like a Cliff Richard song, does it? It sounds like a, a great ballad. I said, mm. do you think EMI will go for that with great big orchestra, cost you a fortune? And he said, oh yeah, it'd be great. Okay. So I went there, got there, got into Studio 2, where the staircase goes down to the floor of the uh, studio, uh, where we, we'd known that the shadows had stood when they were making their great records. And um, got there in the studio, had a run-through with it in Studio 2, where they're playing the orchestra version, no harmonies, just the orchestra, and we start singing our harmonies. And Bruce said, okay, sounds great. Go go down and go down and record. Went down the stairs, session started, the lights came on, the mic was on. So we're going, you know. But before I'd done all that, I did what I would normally do. And this involves, sadly, my wife who recently passed away after our 55 years of marriage, you know, she had a nice voice. She had a good voice. And my son, who was only 10 or 11, could also sing, Anthony. So when when I was at home, I'd say, okay, I've got an arrangement for a song for Cliff. Can you sing this? You sing that? And you sing that? I'll sing this. Uh, and they went, yeah, okay. My wife was a little bit reluctant because she was modest. But she always sang well. And I could put the harmonies together in our house in Upminster in Essex and thinking, whoa, that sounds good. So it stood in the in Studio 2 upstairs, first of all. And Bruce said, well, it sounds great. Why don't you go down and try it? Okay, went downstairs, go down the stairs. Orchestra had already recorded their enormous backing. Uh, we started singing. Cliff had done a rough guide vocal on it. I've had many times I can tell you <laughs> times when I'm sad. You know, it does a little bit of vibrato. And we came back upstairs to listen to it, which is what we did on every every session we did for anybody. We'd record it ourselves, you know, with the uh, accompaniment there. Yeah. Mm. And if we could hear any bum notes, 
we'd go, okay, that needs redoing. I've got to do this, I've got to do that. But with this one, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And everyone in the studio, there was about, there was about six or seven of us in the actual, in the room, the studio room in the, uh, where, where the engineer sits. And they, they all were smiling, you know, looking very happy at, at the result. And we went, wow, uh, I think you like it, Lynn. They said, it's perfect. And we went, wow, okay. I've had many times I can tell you Times when innocence I trade for company And children saw me crying I thought I'd had my share of that But these miss you nights
that period there's tracks like devil woman that's got a bit more of a sort of rockier edge oh yeah no no yeah but you've got to remember that this was now a different slight of year it was a different era yeah and what i did was um okay you sing this uh, what we what, what, what i think we should do is sing double track the vocals like the beach boys used to do were doing at the time you sing uh one part on the left-hand speaker, you sing the other one on the right-hand speaker, I'll sing, I'll double up the one on the left speaker, and you double up on the one on the right speaker. So you've now got eight voices, mm. you know, of two, yeah, two, four. Yeah, it, we ended up with eight tracks of vocals, which we all consider was the right sound for that record. And we did that. And we did the same on the next songs that were 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 just in in the pipeline, um, and then of course it moves into seventy six. Now seventy six, another huge great record comes along, and it's Devil Woman. <laughs> My God! And we listened to it, and we we went, wow, this is this has got to be a hit, and we knew it would be, you know. So we just sang through it. I'd already worked out the harmonies we were going to do, which were still lovely harmonies, lovely, all, all of us singing. I think it was Stu Calver by now. I think Ken Gold uh, had gone off to America with Elton John. So he'd, he'd left out of the organization. But Stu always wanted to come and join us, but he had no desire to let down his bunch of friends in his band in, in Ilford in Essex. Mm. Uh, and it, so he didn't he didn't join us at the time. But once we got the 76, Elton was off in America, so we didn't have Kent Gold to, Gold to rely on. So it was me, John Perry, and Stu Calver, which stayed that way for many years. Excellent. I mean, it's a great a bit funky for Cliff. We were a bit, you know, a bit surprised that they went for a such a bluesy sound. But it worked perfect, didn't it? You know, it was a perfect... It was a perfect song for him at the mm. time. And suddenly, there he is, number one. Number six in America. i 
Well, around that period, you also um, did uh, backing vocals for Ralph Mattel on a, a track called Tequila Sunset, and I think one or two other tracks on his album Right Side Up. But am I right that the how you got that was that Pete Swettenham, who was in the Castaways, basically uh, suggested you to Ralph? I got <laughs> I love it. You mentioned that. That's great. Because hmm. about four or five months ago, we went to John Perry's birthday in in Haywards Heath in Sussex. And we went there. And when we got there, Pete Swettenham was there, who I hadn't seen for years. And his brother Jeff was there. And they were great. They were so nice. The John, Jeff and Pete hmm. had been approached by the Beatles, <laughs> you know, to to meet up with them and I've, I've got great photos of them in a in a, a hotel in London and it's it's John Lennon Paul McCartney Ringo Starr George Harrison Mick Jagger Ronnie Woods all these people in this place in London I'm going wow <laughs> blimey no wonder they're doing well and their first record came out and that was a hit that was, so that was good but, um, yeah, it was, they were really great. They had great voices. And I remember Pete at the time said, do you remember doing, he didn't mention who it was for. And I went, yeah, I said, I do remember doing a session and you being there. And I'm thinking, why would Pete be there? Because he had a job in a in a bank or somewhere. Anyway, oh, Ralph McCall, I thought, was great. I must admit, this was a studio in West London somewhere. I'd gone home, I'd been given a CD of his version without any harmonies, mm. just his version of that song. I sort of went, I could hear it and I could hear straight away. But it sounded like it would be a song by the Eagles. So I thought, well, why don't, why don't I use this great title and uh, do my own version of it, which we did. And I put on all these Eagles-type harmonies Takes a glass of tequila To raise up my spirits when I get down I drink in them two at a time Till I swear I feel like a poor drowning sailor It's all on my lips and my tongue Tastes of life Tequila sunset, do you want a sunrise? Let's put the light back in each other's eyes. And maybe tomorrow, if the wheels can roll, we can take the road down south, babe, get to Mexico. I don't want to hear. Any sad stories Good glances and mirrors Joined in direct lines I bought her a drink And we made an agreement Don't tell me your sad story And I won't tell you mine 
Tequila sunset, Tijuana sunrise. Let's put the light back in each other's eyes. And maybe tomorrow, if the wheels can roll, then take the road down South Bay, get to Mexico. Whatever he said is just a bull's talking. Skinny dogs howl out of Mexico. Kids wear no shoes, dusty streets full of dreams. Aim for the dance floor, maybe they'll play a slow tune. Tequila sunset, Tijuana sunrise, turquoise and silver stars hung in the sky, and maybe tomorrow the wheels can move and take the road down South Bay, get to Mexico. Oh, we take the road down South. Get to Mexico. Blow me down, you've gone, you've, the next one you wrote is Some Other Place. Mm. And I, it, that totally destroyed me. I went, I'm a Parsons project. I used to work at CBS Records in the, in the early 70s, mm. maybe even late 60s, but early 70s. And I had no idea that Eric, Eric Wolfson, was part of Alan Parsons' project and a great writer. And he was a good singer as well. Hmm. The usual story, I got a phone call from Alan Parsons. And he said, Tony, he said, uh, I said, yeah. He said, oh, I'd like you to come on Abbey Road and do some some of your harmonies with with us, uh, uh, we're working, you know, got the Alan Parsons project, and I went, wow, yeah, okay, that'd be good. Uh, as usual, got, was sent the song, worked it all out, hmm. got a date for Abbey Road, went to Abbey Road, and uh, listened to it, and ran through what my ideas were, and he went, great, said, no problem, no problem, and many years later, no, I heard I heard the album when that came out, and I was blown away with it. Uh, many years later, um, Eric reached a very bad place, didn't he, and died. He sadly died, uh, and he was a lovely bloke, a real, real lovely bloke. But Alan Parsons was—he he was on my local radio station here in Spain, and I called—I called the station up, and I went, "Hello, Alan." I said, Tony Rivers here. He went, Wow, oh, Tony Rivers. He said, That's good because I want you for this uh, next album. And I went, Oh, okay, what is it? Uh, and he told me. And of course, we get there and then we've got the armor, the armor, exactly what he needs. He wants some high vocals. Boy, you've come to the right place, mate. Uh, so, Alan Parsons, me, uh, so me, John Perry, Stu Calver. You sing this, you sing that, you sing this, 
and we did it. And when I called him on the radio station, he said, "Wow!" He said, "What a job you did for the uh, for the high for high harmonies." And I said, "It's a great record as well." I said, "The two lead vocals are great. Nothing to do with us. The lead vocals. We did the harmonies." And he said, "I love the harmonies." He said, "That's what makes it different from any anything else that we we could have done." And I went, "Wow. Okay. Fine. I'm I'm happy with that." We did that ridiculous high, three-part harmony high. It's, you, you get one vocal come in on one part, one vocal come in on another part, and whatever chorus comes in, that's us singing those ridiculous high parts, you know, because that's what he wanted. So we did it, and I'd forgotten all about it. I was quite proud when I heard it. <laughs>
There's another track that um, not many people know that you're on. I know what you're going to say this time. Yeah, In Excess. In Excess. So, um, yeah, this time by In Excess. Got a phone call. I, I, I had a great... I've got to just explain a little bit about yeah. this. There's a studio in um, near Wembley Stadium that is a recording studio or was a recording studio where we used to go to record a lot of our... When we were in the days of doing the Top of the Pops albums, I don't know if you know we did all them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Top of the Pops, the budget albums you get in mm. the shops, you know, mm. two both for a, <laughs> an album. Anyway, yeah. yeah. A fella called Chris Thomas called us, said, oh, Tony, um, Chris Thomas here. And I went, what? Chris Thomas, the producer? He said, yeah, I... I said, what, the one who produced um, <laughs> Pretty Vacant? Mm. He said, yeah, that's the one. I went, oh, my God. Because when I went to the studio this day to do a Top of the Pop session with loads of old, you know, loads of old stuff, that, that not old, but loads of stuff that people like to take the mickey out of when they, but they never listened to it properly because you didn't do that sort of gig and do it badly. You did it as professional musicians would do it. So that's, you know, not everyone might agree with that, but that's my opinion, and I think I know what I'm talking about. So anyway, I said, you know, remember what, what last time it was I saw you? And he went, yeah. He said, in this studio. And he said, I said, yeah. He said, you, you remember what we were doing? He said, yeah, you were doing um, Pretty Vacant. And I went, yeah. I said, remember that day? I said, I'm sitting there at the desk. The other two are in the studio doing harmonies. We're so pretty, yeah, so pretty, yeah. We're vacant, yeah. <laughs> you know, like this. Because they were, we laughingly were saying, that's that's the harmony vocals. <laughs> that's, the, that's the harmonies you ever got with the Sex Pistols. But um, anyway, he said, yeah, I do remember that. Because on the day... I'm sitting at the desk in this studio, but the other two are in the studio doing the harmony vocals, for want of a better word. And I got a tap on the shoulder, turn around, it's, uh, oh, Tony, how are you doing, man? Paul McCartney there. And I went, I said, oh, God, I said, what are you doing in here? He said, sounds great. And I'm going, hold it, Paul. I said, sounds great. I said, we're doing the Sex Pistols. Sounds terrible. He said, but I, I said, that's how it's got a sound. You know, we've got a, we're so pretty, oh, so pretty, yeah, we're vacant. And I'm going, oh, my God. I said, you could have come in 10 minutes earlier. We were doing the Eagles. Then it was all lovely harmonies. And he went, no, it was great. Uh, so this is the producer of the Sex Pistols standing there with me, you know. So it was, it was fairly hilarious. But he asked me, if I could come and um, come and do some some stuff with them, I said with with pleasure. I said it gives us a chance to do something different from the Sex Pistols. He went, oh yeah, this is quite different. So he he, he sent me a copy of uh, the album. This time, I went there. I took Mick Clark, who was a mate of mine from the Rubettes. I took him along, and we're both doing a uh, this time, the last time. You know, it's all it does. This time. And, you know, and the bloke who sadly passed away, didn't he? He killed himself. Yeah, Michael Hutchins. Yeah, Hutchins, yeah. 
So anyway, we did that. That was a uh, that was that was good fun. It was all right. We got paid for it. What more could you ask for? But it was a great record, and it was a big hit in America, which was whoa. It was. I was I was impressed. Say it's true Girl, you know I need you more than any words spoken I've seen you before Turn and walk away You say you won't come back It's just a game in a way We are hoping Yes, and we're praying Escapade from the hunting of the snark, and that was recorded live. Oh yeah, it? totally live. Yeah. Well, yeah, but only what you got to remember: mm. there are two versions of this. Uh, there's an album out, and it was the hunting of the snark yeah. that Cliff Richard is on. Now, if you've got the one that Cliff Richard's on, that's the first one they recorded. That was just an ex- a, a try. Mike trying to get the right way to, to do this show. If you want to hear the best one and get the live at the Royal Albert Hall one. Excellent. It was a great, mm. great cast. 
like from Billy Connolly, John Hurt, Midsure, uh, Julian Lennon, Denise Williams, all these people. And I just watched it about an, about an hour ago. And it's, it's yeah, really, really good. But, um, yeah, I, I prefer that one. And it, it's great for us because there we were with this, like, 60, 70, 80-piece orchestra in the Royal Albert Hall singing this amazing musical written by Mike, Mike Batt. Um, we've got a part. We're singing all these harmonies. We were doing the, what we had to do for Mike, which was great. All the other people were singing along as well. And then we get to a part where we were having we were having babies over the, the thought of what was coming up. We knew that after about 70, 70 bars or something, we've got to, the whole orchestra stops and goes, jen, jen, jen. and we've got to go, pay no heed to the rate of heart, jen, jen. don't let these words of wisdom fool you, jen, da, da, jen, jen. something like that. And we've got, got about two minutes of that, just us with the whole audience watching us. So we're, we don't. We we we're, we're musicians who we don't read. We we learn it before, and we go out and memorize. We know it how to do it, and we do it. And so it's me, Anthony, my son, Mick Clark again from the Rubettes, and a girl. And if you if you look at it on YouTube, the the live at the Albert Hall one, it's great. It's it's about twenty minutes in, fifteen twenty minutes. In out there, something like that. For me, I, once more, you've reminded me of a a great bit of music that we we're responsible for, and I've forgotten all about. I didn't even recognise the name The Escapade. I should have done, because it's part of a part of the pop. Just a place for a snark, the bellman cried, as he landed his crew with care, supporting each man on the top of the tide by a finger entwined in his hair. The bellman himself, they all praised to the skies. Such a carriage, such ease and such grace. Such solemnity too, one could see he was wise the moment one looked in his face. But the danger was past, they had landed at last with their boxes, portmanteaus and bags. Yet at first sight, the crew were not pleased with the view which consisted of chasms and crags. He served out some grog with a liberal hand and bade them sit down on the beach. And they could not but own that their captain looked grand as he stood and delivered his speech. Where to share to us by day or after 
This emotional occasion brings the moisture to my eyes And I rise to remark I think we may be gaining on the snark I've an emotional persuasion that I hear this distant cry And they're never very far away Oh, they're never very far away So I rise to remark I think we may be gaining on the snark Friends, Romans and countrymen Lend me your ears And I will carefully impart What you may have thought for years But were too scared to ask By day or after dark In the hunting of the sun The hunting of the sun The hunting of the And the bearing on the chart In my heart I can see A potential snark may lurk in every tree As I make these observations I suggest that we should start For we haven't any time to spare No, we haven't any time to spare In your heart you'll agree A potential snark may lurk in every tree Friends, Romans and countrymen Lend me your ears And I will carefully impart What you may have thought for years And where to stay to us By day or after dark The hunting of the snark The hunting of And this crazy mission may be just a wild goose chase We've selfies and we find ourselves upon this beach Searching for some beast 
dreams from the realms of fiction. It's a wild addiction for something we'll never worked with Cliff, am I right, until the, the mid to late 80s? Yeah, uh, yeah, about, uh, well, not late 80s, about mid 80s, I think. Right. Something like that. We went on Wembley Stadium, didn't we, and did did the event with him. And then we also did uh, Live Aid yeah. with Elton John, George Michael. We worked with all them. You know, Kiki D was back in photos with us. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. You know, for us. Looking back at your time with Cliff, you've mentioned that there was a a B-side called No One Waits. Oh, yeah, lovely, Which is one of the favourite tracks. And and listening to it again, the the harmonies there are absolutely front and centre. Yeah, yeah. Um, The one you've seen, I imagine, is probably live in Canoc in Belgium. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where we stand there either side and you can see it's completely live. It's no... There's no dropping in anywhere, no fancy bits of work, no... Because we didn't, we didn't ever do that. We didn't do, right. to my knowledge, we never did uh, aided by technology. We sang it. And if we didn't sing it right, we did it again. Till we did get it right. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Which is entitled, No One Waits.
No one waits behind this door. Just the morning papers and that coffee cup of hers. She was warm like a woman is, but when there's nothing left to give, you lose your sense of humor. Dresses and that coffee cup of his, he was warm like a man can be, but when there's nothing left to give, you lose your sense of humor. The carnival gives way, and the Ferris wheel stops, and the clowns they're not laughing anymore. Clowns, they're not laughing anymore. More. The circus left town yesterday, left me walking the high wire. We were mighty touching. The carnival gives way, and the Ferris wheel stops, and the clowns they're not laughing anymore. Oh, the clowns they're not laughing anymore. No one waits behind my door. There's a thousand reasons why. Had this feeling once before. Cause when you got nothing left to give, no feelings left to keep well hid. When there's nothing left to give, you lose your sense of humor. Nothing left to give. Nothing left to give. Nothing left to give. There's nothing left to give. You lose your sense of humor. More recent tracks that you recorded uh, with Sam Etienne and Good Night. Oh yeah, boy, do I love that album! How did you get to sing on that? As usual, another phone call came through to Spain this time to my house in Spain, where I'm at the moment. So we've got a studio here. We've got a, we've got a computer studio, and we've also got a recording studio downstairs. Uh, and that's where we did it. Um, I got this phone call from. Uh, one of Saint Etienne, mm. and he went, 
Hi, Tony. He said, uh, uh, what's the name from St. Etienne here? And I went, Bob Stanley calling me. And I, I said to Anthony, my son, I said, Ant, I said, just come here a minute. Uh, I said, I got a call from St. Etienne. He said, really? I said, yeah. He said, I said, they want me to uh, come up with some arrangements for their next album. They haven't had an album for like 10 years or something. And they now want to do an album. And what they did was they said, we want, we, we'd like you to, to do harmonies like you did for Cliff Richard on Mission Nights. Harmonies like you did for Cliff on Devil Woman. And all this sort of stuff really influences, you know, I took it very proudly because I'm thinking, bloody hell. So it doesn't go unnoticed, you know, if you do something good, it's appreciated. Anyway, that's what we did with them, with them and it was a beautiful album. And we, we did, they sent us a CD with the songs on. Basically, most of the songs were sung by the girl. No other musicians that I remember were on. It was just a girl singing melodies, singing uh, certainly on certain songs for definite. Uh, certainly on the one, the last song, uh, "Good Night." I mean, that's great, and that was that was totally just her singing. Yeah. Got the bike in the alleyway, you know, da 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 da. da. Good night, good night, good night, and. So I got hold of it and thought, okay, that's a great vocal she's doing. So I just decided to tell Ant, okay, I want to do some harmonies around that. And I left it to him to think of some other stuff. And if you listen to the rest of the album, some of the, some of the stuff, the harmony stuff for us, is, is as nice as anything we've ever done. Some beautiful harmony stuff. That, for me, was a... A real, a real treat. We did it all here, and then we got a call from them saying, can you bring the stuff you've done out, bring the CD with your stuff on it to somewhere southwest London? It's been, uh, you know, a real pleasure to talk to you, Tony, and it's useful to mention at the end that um, I'm nearly famous. The Tales of a Likely Lad, Tony Rivers' autobiography is... Available at uh, TonyRiversBook.com. Yeah, well done. Thanks for the plug. Yeah, TonyRiversBook.com. <laughs> yeah, well done. And a pleasure to talk to you. All right, mate. Good night, good night, good night.
Will you sing me to sleep and stroke my hair? I'll close my eyes if I know that you're for listening to the strange brew podcast if you do like the show please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online it's been almost 10 years since i started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time all your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests to support me just go to the strangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the home page thank you very much Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.